I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Tommy Brandt. Tommy is a recovering electrical engineer and data scientist turned full-time real estate investor. Um, Tommy, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time out. For sure. Yeah. Like, like we mentioned before, I was thumbing through a couple of your episodes and, and you've had a, a lot of hot shots and celebrities and superstar in the space. And, you know, I'm, I'm honestly uh, just humbled and honored uh, to be a part of that. And hopefully I can add value to your listeners. I'm a hundred percent sure that you will. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I, everybody has value to add everybody there. Everybody's, uh, you know, you can't look at <laughs> what look at what people are at you know five years from where you are in your journey it, 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 none of that really matters it's, it's getting better every day but um with that being said why don't you tell us you know kind of your background your story um, where you came from where you're headed that kind of thing and then we'll we'll dive into it from there for sure yeah thanks jason yeah i, I do joke that i'm a recovering electrical engineer of 12 years i worked with a, the same company since i graduated i graduated from georgia tech as electrical engineer grew up in georgia most of my life and work took me to middle tennessee um, primarily just on the outskirts of nashville um, so i've been in nashville tennessee for 13 years last january um, I worked as an electrical engineer most of that time. Um, you know, most of it was customer facing and most of it was on the sales side of the organization. Um, I got to, you know, towards the end there, I was trying to figure out, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want my next step to be? Do I want to be in sales for 30 years? And so I started engaging in some data science courses. Um, so I got a data science specialization from Johns Hopkins University. That led me a little bit to the operations side of the business. So business analyst sales operations, um, rather than being so customer facing. And I thought that was what I wanted. Turns out that's not what I wanted. But I, you know, through that process, I did gain a lot of confidence in my ability to understand uh, what it takes to run my own business. Um, right? If we're operating, you know, a multi-billion-dollar-a-year revenue business, um, surely, you know, starting a business for myself and starting from the ground up um, couldn't be nearly as challenging when it comes to, to managing pipeline and headcount and uh, all, all the things that go into that one. And so, um, but also the, with the, the last rule, I would say that I gained a lot of confidence in kind of overcoming the imposter syndrome, right? If I'm, if I'm coming into this business, you know, who the hell am I to tell all these GPs and directors, you know, what's going on in their business, you know, surely they would know better and, you know, but I'm kind of coming at it from a number side and uh, from a PL side and, you know, per product line type thing. And so trying to add value in that way, um, but also also just kind of going through that and knowing that it's like, hey, Tommy, there's a gap in the business, go fill it, right? Really satisfied my itch um, as an entrepreneur, right? You can imagine that, that's that's a lot of stuff. It's like, hey, there's, there's you know, you have a business, you know, get it going, get it off the ground. Right. Um, so that, that was kind of an adventure in itself. And uh, yeah, how that translates to the real estate side of things, um, you know, I my, my first intro to real estate was in 2006 when I was still in college. 
And so I worked for my friend's dad, who was a general contractor, and we made mobile homes rent ready. And so we were most of the time just you know, doing light rehab, cleaning them up, cutting the lawn, um, and then just turning them for the, for the market to rent. Um, given the demographic and the location, about 15% of that was post-eviction. And so you're walking into these some of these units and it looks just like a natural disaster just swept through the inside of the place. And so there's trash in one corner, there's hypodermic needles in another corner, there's used diapers in another corner. And, and you're wondering how this thing caused that splatter mark, in, you know, two rooms over, um, you know, the utilities have been cut off for two weeks and you're looking at your friend, you're like, who's going to open the fridge? Not it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was uh, full of surprises, we'll say. But through, through that, that did two things for me. One, it you know built a lot of character, uh, and two, um, it definitely gave me the ability to see through the clutter, to have the vision for the finished product, and so that introduction to you know light construction, we'll call it light renovation, um, directly affected my ability to choose my house whenever I was ready. So fast forward, it's 2011, I've graduated college, you know, about three years worth of, you know, savings from being an engineer. Um, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to, to stop renting. Right. And so let's, let's see what we can do. So I start poking around on Zillow and I found this house that was grossly undervalued relative to all its neighbors. And I said, okay, this is a good start. It was a short sale from a bank. And, um, you know, it was, my, my realtor thought I was crazy when I told her I wanted this house. Um, every single room needed to be updated. There was a, a, a nice sagging bulge uh, of drywall over the garage from a roof leak. There was a pool in the back that was solid black. Um, there was pool houses with no foundation. They were just kind of, it was a slow motion, like leaning tower of Pisa. They were starting to lean <laughs> a little too heavily on one side. And I told my realtor, I was like, I want this house. And she's like, she, she shoved like five other houses in front of me. And she's like, let's, let's just look at like something that doesn't need any work and just, you know, give you a feel for the market. And so fast forward, I didn't buy any of the houses she, she showed me. I bought this, the house that was a short sale. Um, and so it was a slow live and flip. And, um, uh, I rented out a bedroom to a colleague of mine. So he was paying the mortgage while I was funding the repairs during the time. And so every year I'd save up for one, what I'll call a major project. So I saved up one year for all new hardwood and the, the living space, the, the foyer, the, the den in the back, um, you know, sunroom. Um, another year was nothing but kitchen. I waited till like a hailstorm so I could have an insurance claim to replace the roofs. Um, you know, so, it, you know, we'll call that strategic yeah. um, or, 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 you know, a happy accidents, whatever you want to call that one. But, um, you know, fast forward to 2020, we liquidated that property. I didn't owe anything on it because I was um, I was drinking a lot of the Dave Ramsey Kool-Aid back then. Of all debt is bad debt and there's no such thing as good debt. You know, I, you know, things I would do differently. I would probably leverage some of the equity that I, that I injected into that a little bit sooner, but, um, nevertheless, I, you know, after that, I bought three single family homes and a six month time span, um, you know, um, getting heavily educated on everything, bigger pockets. Um, you know, I, I uh, got invested in, the, um, um, I didn't get invested, but, you know, after reading the rich dad, poor dad, probably too late in my life, not too late. It's never too late, but at reading it later in my life, then I, I would, I wish I would have come across it. Um, then I just got, you know, heavily invested in, in real estate. And, um, you know, I, my, if you ask my friends what my, what I'm really good at, they would say he's, he's really good at taking a new subject and, and learning it really quickly, learning something quickly. And I think if you unpack that really, it's like, um, if there's a wrong way to do something, I'll find it. 
And so you can afford that in the single family space. You can afford to make a couple mistakes and stuff like that. And so, but whenever I was trying to figure out what to do with the proceeds from my, from my flip, um, I was looking at everything except real estate. So I was like, let me, let me see what day trading looks like. You know, let me see what goes into that. I read some books by, you know, billionaire fund managers. And my takeaway there was to buy ETFs and don't look at it for 30 years. I said, that's not really going to get me to where I want to be in the timeline that I want to be. What else can I do? I looked at e-commerce stores, Amazon businesses. And then I was just, then I finally like, you know, kind of gave up and I was like, fine, I guess I'll look more into this real estate stuff. <laughs> you know, um, So now I've got, a, I've got a couple single family homes, uh, use as long-term rentals. I've got a vacation rental in Panama city beach. I'm invested as a limited partner in two apartment syndications, one in Louisville, one in Huntsville. Um, and uh, a couple Thursdays ago, we closed on a 55 unit uh, storage facility. And so a um, couple, probably a couple of things to unpack there. Right. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, a lot of it has been due to networking and, and constantly staying engaged in, in local networks here in town, uh, also virtually, but also um, constantly uh, educating myself on, on business and building teams and mindset and being, you know, staying motivated, having proper perspective on, on that types of thing. So that's where I'm at today. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot to unpack there, but I think like a really, a lot of really good stuff for, you know, that sort of that journey that we can you know, sort of pull apart and, and show people like, here, here are some really good steps to take. And specifically, you know, the overarching theme here is it's like you take action and you educate yourself when you get, you know, you decide you're going to do something, even, even that process of sort of working through, okay, what am I, what do I want to do with as my sort of investing future and saying, yeah, no, it's not, it's not, you know, 30 years in an ETF. It's not an Amazon store. Like there, there's, going through that process, figuring it out, but not like spending 10 years on that. Like, okay, no, that doesn't work for me. What are my goals? How do these, how do these investment vehicles fit into my goals and that sort of thing? So I think, but I think like backing up a little bit, some of the the things that you, and I find this with basically every guest, but our, our backstory, our, our past lives, whatever it is, you know, wherever you might come from, it all fits into kind of the real estate space. And maybe that's because the real estate space has so much, uh, so much diversity, so much, so many different angles that you can come at it with. But, you know, for example, you, you were, uh, you know, kind of working in and, and cleaning up these, these mobile homes. That's just being, seeing that sort of construction side, seeing what it's like to deal with, with whether that's tenants or eviction, evictions, things like that. Like those are skills that, that many, many people don't have. Uh, they don't get that experience. I'm, I'm, I've done these things as well. So I know they're not hundred percent good experiences. It's not, it's not nice to open that refrigerator. That's been <laughs> when the power has been off for weeks, but the, the point is, you know, you, you saw what that's like, you saw, so you can, even if you never did any more construction for the rest of your life, you can speak intelligently about it from there and know what goes into rehabbing units, whatever you want to, you know, whatever that unit applies to. And then even your uh, your engineering background with with sales and and then and then business uh, development and, and management, all of that, it all fits, right? It all fits in that you know whether it's single family, multifamily syndication, it, whether it's self storage. There's a business component to all of this, and so you know, kind of having a little piece 
of each uh, of your past experiences to put in there, I think is incredibly important. And I feel like I find many of my guests use that to their advantage. Do you have sort of a long-winded way of getting to this question of, do you, do you have specific things you would point to from your past that you've used to, that have really helped you kind of find your way into, you know, real estate investing? And, and specifically, I know, I know you're sort of heading towards uh, syndication and things. What, what, how would you incorporate those, those past experiences? For sure. For sure. And I guess I'll, I'll lead off by saying a, a, a couple of things, um, you know, for, for me as, as an engineer and, and everyone, everyone is going to leverage their past experience and, and their, their past experience, everyone's going to be a product of their environment that they were raised in, where they got educated, where they're working. Um, everyone is on a different journey and it's not always a straight line, right? It's going to be, you know, zigzaggy in, in some regards. And so um, I'm no different. So I'm, I'm leveraging what are, what are some of the professional skills that I developed and working as an engineer professionally for 12 years. Um, it just so happens to be a lot of it was customer facing. So I'm, I'm on top of professional communications, managing expectations with the intent to exceed them. Um, but also, and some of that is sales, right? If you want to take, you know, say, you know, expect expectation management, right? You have to manage it at a point to where you can over deliver, or at least have the perception that you're, you're over delivering or you're, um, you're, you're not over managing isn't the right word, but you definitely want to overperform from the customer's perception. And so, um, it's all about, as far as that goes, that, that comes with anchoring the discussion somewhere and then elevating it, right. Based on your performance and your delivery there. And so knowing that, you know, maybe I have some, some soft skills, some hard skills to bring to the table, then it's a matter of, okay, um, I'm 10 plus years business experience. Where do I fit? If I say, um, I know I don't want to be in the engineering space forever, just because from, from my perspective, my takeaway was, um, it was difficult, read impossible for me to align my engineering job or, um, you know, uh, industry or career with my real estate investments. And so for me, it was just like, I'm always, I'm, I'm living a, a double life, right? There's no, there's, there's no alignment. There's no clean sweep to that, you know, where it's like, if I'm a realtor, right, that there's definitely some alignment there. If I'm a property manager, there's some alignment of skills there. Um, you, you could argue even the same thing if you're a lender, um, you know, so, some things like that. And so for me, I was just like, what, so based on what I have, Plus that this is the part that a lot of people don't think about. How do you want to grow? Right. So based on where I'm at and where I want to grow as an individual, what fits into that space? And so for me, I was just like, all right, I know, I know I want to get better at, um, you know, maybe public speaking, you know, oratory skills, uh, presentation ability, just because I, I feel like there's so much um, that is perceived from a person based on their ability to present. Right. So I think you're, you're not going to have a week, um, a leader in a business that can't speak well, you know, about their vision or, or, you know, elaborate on their, their, <laughs> their values and things like that. And so things like that, where it's like, all right, I need to be, you know, I need to, to have opportunity to practice this, uh, maybe in a, a low risk environment, right. You know, even going on podcasts like these is, is I look at it as an opportunity to sharpen my skill. Right. And so based on my, my skills, plus where I want to be, um, I just saw a lot of that line up with syndication. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of my, that, that helped my decision to go full-time and lean fully into this one. Um, the other component of that one was kind of self-discovery and that 
if I have no option and, and I only have, you know, one, one way to go, like that's better for me. Like the, 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 the likelihood that I'm going to you know rise to the occasion and, and execute is way higher if I have no options. <laughs> and so putting myself in a situation where it's like, all right, well, um, you know, we've, we've capitalized, we, we saved up for two years of expenses. My wife is still working, you know, um, let's, let's go day one, you know? So I, I put in my hundred, it's fun to say, I put in my hundred day notice on my 35th birthday. Um, I, you know, we're, we're coming up really close to my one year anniversary for being full-time in real estate. Uh, and so it's just, th- there was a quote that someone said one time where it's like, don't underestimate how far someone can come in a year. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited. You know, I think I've come really far as far as just, you know, networking, um, but also some of the, the, a lot of the traction we've had in our business, whether it's um, tangible or intangible, right. I'm, I'm really pleased with, with how far we've come, but um, I'm excited to see what I accomplish another year from now. I yeah. think it's going to be astronomical and, and, and be way more exponential than, than what we've did in the, the past year. And so, um, you know, for, for me, it's like, I was initially looking at everything as the, the single family housing space. I was like, you know, I looked, I interviewed a couple of realtors or interviewed a couple of property managers. And I was like, I don't want to be a realtor. I don't want to be a property manager. I don't want to be a wholesaler. I don't want to be a flipper. I don't want to be a lender. Um, and, and so figuring out what I don't want to do is, you know, arguably the first step in that one. Um, and I would say that the syndication I think is, is not really well known that it exists, that you can team up with a bunch of people and, and go buy real estate together. Right. That's that's probably a foreign topic to people. Like I think when most people are driving around downtown and they see these huge apartment buildings, they're like, oh, that's that's owned by a conglomerate corporation with billions and gazillions of dollars and all this stuff. Yeah. They're not thinking um, that's probably a, a small group of like 20 people or private investors that are you know owning this building downtown. Um, and so it took me a while to get educated and even find out that that existed. But um, once once I did find out that that existed, I was like, this speaks the most to me based on where I'm at and where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of really great points. And I think just, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you said about, you know, underestimating that year, there's another quote that I really like is that most people will overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in five years or 10 years or whatever it is, something like that. And and it's true because as you mentioned, you use the word traction and and it's, it's something that in the beginning, it's going to feel like feels like nothing's happening right you're like doing whatever you can you're educating yourself you're you're uh, actually wanted to touch on this too you talked about you know sort of using opportunities to learn to speak more eloquently how whatever word you want to use but basically be able to have your presentation skills be sort of top-notch so that you can lead a business a company um i think that's that's I agree with you 100%. That's key. It's it's in a very important skill that if people don't, if if what you're talking to them about doesn't sound natural to you, probably especially if you're trying to you know bring in investors, they're probably not going to feel very confident in, in investing with you. You may know you may know it cold. You may know it like the back of your hand. But if you can't, then express that to other people in a way that they can understand and and everybody's going to understand maybe a little bit differently too. You have to, you have to develop that skill. So I think, I think that's huge, but you're, so you're doing all that in the beginning, right? You're like, well, how can I make myself better at this before anything's really happening? But then you hit that traction point where you see things happening and you, you know, you close that self-storage deal and you're like, 
it's just going to, it's just going to pick up from there. Like it's going to open up doors. Your opportunities are going to become more um, plentiful and, and you'll be able to get more selective, pick and choose what you want to do, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a really cool kind of process to work through and what, what you're doing, the things that you're describing, you know, for people listening is exactly how you have to, what you have to do to make that happen, right? It's not just going to happen. You're not just going to leave your W-2 job and say, okay, I'm a real estate investor now. Somebody make this, you know, nobody's going to make that happen for you. So you're taking all those steps. You're, 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 you're taking a calculated risk. You know, there's, there's a lot of thought and sort of work that goes into getting into that, you know, getting, switching that mode, I guess, out of the W-2 into being a, an entrepreneur and business owner. And, and I think one of the reasons why, you know, you work through all those single family options and stuff, and, and you, you said that you didn't want to do that. And probably one of the reasons why syndication appeals, I'm guessing, is because it's a business, right? You're, you're, it's actually a business. Each property is you're running a business. And so it really does kind of scratch that entrepreneurial itch quite well because you've got to put all those processes and, and systems and, and things that you've been learning into place to make the, each of these properties function at, you know, efficiently. For sure. For sure. Yeah. The, the things that drew me to syndication was, was definitely um, the, I, I, I feel like I was able to give back more or I could be way more inclusive of the people that, that wanted to be in real estate, but, you know, didn't have the time to invest to understand markets or analyze deals or, or find deals, stuff of that sort. And so I start getting questions of, um, Hey Tom, you know, I see you did this thing with your, your house or this other apartment building. Um, let me, you know, let me know when another one of those comes up, but in, in the single family space, there's, there's really not room for small players, like, like teams of three are, are you know, practically unheard of <laughs> in single yeah. family space. It's, you know, it's yeah. kind of one or two people and they're, they're doing all their, or most of the work uh, in, in those types of scenarios. But uh, you know, on the, with bigger assets um, you're allowed to specialize and something, right. You're allowed to, you know, focus on asset management, or maybe you're, you're just a deal finder, or maybe you're, you know, plus underwriter, that type of thing. Um, you know, maybe you're maybe like you can get equity in a property just for being local to the market. Like that blows my mind. You just being a connector, um, <laughs> you know, is, is what, uh, and what can earn you equity in some of these properties. Um, and that, that's exciting to me uh, outside of that, I would say, because you're allowed to focus, um, your opportunities to scale the business while maintaining like low operational costs and stuff like that. Um, it, it's, it's pretty insane how well you can scale the business without having to incur, uh, su substantial operational costs. Yeah. And, and you would do that. I, I think just so people understand that you do that by, by partnering with others, right? You have, you sort of have two ways to, to build that team. You can either partner or you can hire. And especially in the beginning, you're not going to, it's, you don't sort of, you don't step into real estate syndication and suddenly have a bunch of money that, that, that just doesn't work that way. It's not, it's not, a, it's not actually a high paying job at the beginning, right? It's, it's, it's can be uh as, as someone who also recently left the W-2, it, it's effectively a pay cut with the future in mind, right? It's that, mm -hmm. it's that vision. And so you're, you have the option, like I said, is, is either partner, partner with other people that have complementary skill sets, or you start to hire your team. And so 
it's a balance, right? It's figuring out that balance, especially in the beginning where it's like, okay, pe- people will say that equity is more expensive, right? It's, it's more expensive to give up a portion of the deal or give up, uh, you know, to, to a partner or to, you know, someone that's going to help you in one of those seats. But, but sometimes that's what you have, right? Like sometimes that's the option that you have. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're the deal finder, you here you are, you get your equity because you found the deal. You can't do all the parts. So you got to figure out ways to, to make it work. And yeah, eventually maybe somewhere down the road, if you want to, you can grow it into such a business that you have hired essentially all of those positions. And then you're the CEO over it. But in the beginning, what you're talking about is, is exactly right. You've got to, you've got to, you know, kind of find those other people to work with in the, the, the boots on the ground equity position is is really it's it sounds kind of simple and maybe silly. I know you said you know it sort of blows your mind, but but really it it's not like having someone there is is really key because otherwise, like if you're the boots on the ground, even if you're new, right, you're starting out and you can provide that service, that value to someone who's maybe maybe extremely experienced, they might have, you know, thousands of units, but they don't live in that market. You save them a ton of time. You save them mm-hmm. money in travel expenses. Like it, it, it's actually quite a valuable position to be in. So thinking about what your value proposition is and your value proposition might be, I live in this market, right? Like yeah. it's, it can be that simple, but you have to, you have to do some of that education to figure out what, that that's a thing, right? Like you wouldn't probably think that just living in Tennessee or living around Nashville is a valuable thing or someone who lives like in the hot markets, like someone who lives in Austin, you can be boots on the ground and and be valuable for that reason. Um, So I think it's, it's, it's key to, to figuring out that, that spot, you know, where, where do you fit? And that might evolve over time. Um, What do you see where, where do you see yourself? In? Like, what do you think in your vision is going to be your role in the syndication space? And, and understanding that, you know, sometimes in the beginning, you're sort of doing a little bit of all of it. Um, but, but where do you see yourself, you know, sort of evolving into what, what do you want uh, that track to be for you? Sure. And, and I would, I'd lead off with, uh, yeah, you're right. There's, there is definitely going to be a lot of, um, you know, overlap between what I want to do and what I need to do to get a deal done. Um, and so I, I, I do see myself as a lot of secondary, you know, roles to play. And so I would say probably secondary capital raiser, um, definitely available to be boots on the ground. I'm looking anywhere from Louisville to Huntsville and then including East Tennessee in there. So obviously Nashville is between Louisville and Huntsville. Um, but Chattanooga and Knoxville, uh, are, are strong performing markets. I could, it'd be silly to kind of ignore those. And so, um, I can offer to be boots on the ground. If it was, if there's ever someone, uh, a time where you want me to drop by and get photos or give an opinion on something, or, you know, if it ever co- did come to being involved in a deal, I'm happy to do, you know, secret shopping, um, you know, monthly drop-ins, stuff of that sort. You, you need that more so on the front end, right at takeover and performing yeah. the value add business plan for the first two years. So, um, you know, after stabilization, that that probably turns into quarterly visit stuff of that sort. So, about, you know, wear a different mustache every time I go see the leasing agent and 
<laughs> ask, hey, well, how are you doing? Tell me about your property and uh, see how receptive they are, you know, calling from different phone numbers or something like that and seeing how they uh, receive, you know, new customers, stuff of that sort. Um, but outside of that, I, you know, I think the running joke is that everyone's a capital raiser in syndication, right? You should always be doing something to attract capital or to attract investors, um, stuff of that sort. And, and I'm, I'm not exempt from that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a good point. Everybody's probably got to raise some capital. There are people that focus on that exclusively, right? That's their, that's their, their niche. They want to be, they, they want to be capital raisers. Some, some are extremely good at it and then they partner up with operators. Um, but, but I think even those that are, you know, mainly the operators and partner with other capital raisers, they're raising some capital, right? It's, and, and it's, it's it's a good thing because we're we're providing these opportunities to to people. So like, like the example myself, I don't really I don't really consider myself you know a great capital raiser. I don't I don't even necessarily see myself having that role in a large part uh, in the long run. But at the same time, coming from the veterinary world, I think that these are fantastic opportunities and I want to get veterinarians involved. And so I feel it's my responsibility to at least be offering those things out to, to, to that community. Right. It's, do I, do I want to be the person that's talking to family offices and things like that? Probably not like it's like, I'm, I'm fine to do it, but it's just not, it's not the part that I enjoy, but I do want, I do want vets to know about this. And I think for them mm-hmm. to, to, to have that sort of no like and trust thing, it's probably going to be with with another veterinarian. So there's there's components of it that that is unique to each one of us that then makes our ability to raise capital from you know that those specific uh, avatars would be. That's where you have that you know sort of almost responsibility to to do that. Um, what's next? What's your you got the self storage deal? What what's your uh, sort of next steps that you're planning on for sure yeah and um you know we had a a 52 unit apartment complex under contract early this year and we had to, to back out of that one um because what what was perceived to be a stabilized asset was uh, actually distressed after we looked at the accounting and so um you know we, we started doing some direct to seller this year we're, we're you know all that to say is like we're we're trying to engage more um, small apartment owners directly. Um, we we have strong relationships with one or two brokers in town. We're going with the sniper approach versus the shotgun approach. It's easier to to manage and maintain, um, you know, full transparency around that. And so, um, you know, so continued efforts on direct to seller activity. We've got a couple pokers in the fire, people that are actually responding to us, <laughs> and we're able to engage engage in a conversation. Um, and so there there's. The, I mean, there's there's probably at least one deal that we are going to get under contract before the end of the year uh, with, with a couple other probably uh, maybe under contract next year. It's, it's not my timeline, it's theirs, right? And so, um, so some of them are more dodgy that, than others, but uh, I'd love to be in a position to um, get more pocket listings from brokers or at least network with people that are getting those pocket listings because um, it is July 18th and with interest rates where they are right now, they're going up. Um, 
we're still seeing cap rates stay flat or even compress a little in some markets around Nashville, um, which means that my purchase number is getting further and further away from pricing guidance from brokers. And so yeah. the only way I see um, truly a good deal that I want to take other people's money into um, are going to be pocket listings where I'm solving someone's problem. Right. If I'm underwriting for a 15 to 20% annualized returns, um, I'm not going to be able to compete with people that are 1030 wanting money or have lower cost of capital, um, you know, and for, for marketed deals. And so uh, that's where, you know, real estate is a team sport and it is also a um, it's a people business. And so, you know, I'm not going to get beat by an algorithm um, if if I have better relationships with people that are getting pocket listing stuff of that sort. So um being very open and honest about how I can add value, how I can be an asset to their team is kind of how I'm positioning my, myself personally. Um, but that's, uh, that, that's kind of the name of the game right now. Um, multifamily is kind of lagging in, um, what the market should be doing, which is, you know, slowly correcting itself. And there's, there's probably some markets where that's, that's, happening right july 18th 2022 is today and the, there's probably some slowdown in some markets i think generally speaking you're seeing less people meet the, the extravagant pricing guidance of a marketed deal um so maybe we'll see something in the, in the near future um but i'm i'm trying to be open to other commercial assets um rather than just being you know focused on what we'll call our you know arguably the, the most competitive asset class and commercial, um, which I would say is multifamily. So we, um, like I said, we closed on a 55 unit storage facility and we bought it in a good basis and it cash flows day one. I couldn't do that with multifamily, like cash on cash returns for anything uh, right now is extremely low for, for multifamily. And yeah. so um, maybe like even land flipping, like land rezoning, can I get it rezoned from residential to commercial if it's on a highway? So um, being more open to unique opportunities like that, I've kind of, um, you know, I've come to the conclusion uh, you know, in recent, recent months that opportunity isn't always going to look like what I want it to. It's not always going to look like a garden style apartment complex, you know, <laughs> like, like I would love it to. Um, and so it's, it's really been my network that's opened my eyes to that. Um, and so that, that's where I'm, I'm relying on the strengths of other people who are really good at, at spotting opportunities like that. And I'm dipping my toe in with my personal capital, trying some of that stuff out. You know, maybe one day I'll, I'll take investors into something like that. Um, but I, I've got to try it out first. So I'm, I'm in the, the trial mode with personal capital for other asset classes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done, done similar things. Uh, I, we, talked about this before we even start recording but i have the same joint venture self-storage deal that it, it was just it's, it's being opportunistic because you know obviously interest rates are rising everybody knows that it's causing a lot of fear but what's interesting is is and i think this is just a lack of understanding is what pe people are fearful that are not knowledgeable in in real estate but you know the the investors and things like that that are that aren't you know haven't been doing this for a long time, but but nobody they don't seem to understand that their money sitting in an account is actually losing them money because of mm -hmm. inflation. So it's like, yes, it's it's scary that maybe returns won't be as good as they were over the last five years, like right now. That but still better than losing money, right? And that and that's the thing that I think you know a lot of people don't understand is that they. They don't see it as losing money. They don't. They don't see that their. You know the. They don't see their bank account balance go, just going down because of inflation. And and so it's. But but that's in theory that's really what's happening. We're, our, our dollar is losing its purchasing power as the prices of everything goes up. But the the values 
of these multifamily assets or commercial assets are are continuing to to rise because the rents are rising and you're having so that so yes at the moment we're at this little bit of crossroads where people were pricing was probably too high in 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 reality probably too high for what kind of uh made sense but but now i think we're not going to it's not that all these assets are going to lose their value. They're just, it's just not going to grow as crazy as it was before. Um, and, and I think that being, being able to take those opportunities that you see, whether it's a stealth storage or it's land deal, or, you know, you have exam, you have a experience with mobile homes. So maybe it's a mobile home park for you, but whatever it might be and being opportunistic and putting your, your money to work for you. Now it is like, I see these next, maybe six to 18 months as, as there's going to be some really big opportunities because of the fear in the market. So the, the, the competition is going to go down and you can look to very recent history at the beginning of COVID people that bought at the beginning of COVID just two years ago, some of those assets are doubled in value. So it's just kind of your, you need to understand the, the asset class and what you're what you're actually getting into, but in, at the end of the day, real estate tends to be very safe uh, and and average to high return type of asset or uh, investment vehicle. Um, well, let's let's switch gears, Tommy. Let's let's get to where I ask you the questions that I get to ask every guest. Um, love to to hear these answers. Um, the first one is based on the name of the show being "Know Your Why." So, so what's your why? What what drives you here? For sure, for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, family and then legacy, right? And um, you know, as, as I evolve in in success, right? My my why right now is definitely my family, but I think everyone goes on a journey from personal success to um, significance, mm-hmm. right? And so, my, you know, I'm definitely trying to, you know, get the business off the ground, but I'm also being mindful of like, my goals need to evolve and my my goals need to um, impact more people than just myself and my business. And so uh, I'm definitely on a, a journey of growth right now. And so, uh, you know, I, I would say, it, it, immediately is just kind of financial and freedom, but I want the opportunity to give back more. Right. And so uh, that, that's kind of what's driving me every day. Yeah. I, I love that. And I I've experienced that myself where it's like, okay, this is, this is definitely for my family. That's, that's what got me going. That's what, that's literally why the name of this podcast is know your why, right. It's like my family made me realize like when I had kids that, that oh, this is, I need something, you know, sort of bigger, but, but then you, you get to that point where you're like, okay, but, once we get to the point where where we're good, right? We don't need more. I don't. I, don't, I certainly don't want to teach my kids that uh, you know we need more stuff, right? We don't. It doesn't. We don't need bigger houses, more cars. Like we don't. I don't care about any of that. What I want to teach them is how can we now turn that into an impact on the world? And so it's it's a fascinating journey to have that happen, like in your own mindset, and when uh, at the, at the best ever conference the, back in February, I think there was the, the speakers I, I loved the most, like the, the ones that like really riveted me. It was, those were the people talking about now what they're doing with their impact. Like what, okay. I got all the, I got to the point where I'm good. My family's good. Probably my, my kids, kids are good, but, mm-hmm. but along the way now we, we started, 
you know, sort of switching gears and, and evolving into this, uh, you know, impact, impactful, charitable, whatever you want to call it, philanthropic um, type endeavor. And, and that is, that is super exciting. So I, I, I agree with you there. Like that's a very cool uh, thing to, to feel, to feel that attainable, right? Like at first you're like, I just, I just need to be able to pay the bills. And then you're like, wait a second, I can really do a lot with this. So it's a, it's a cool, um, really cool uh, transition. And, and um, I guess, in your mindset and if in the feeling of that, that moment, right. You feel the momentum building on the business side, but also feeling like what that can do, you know, for others too. So pretty cool. Um, tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge, special skill, hobby, just something to let the listeners know you let you, uh, get to know you better. For sure. For sure. Um, so I play disc golf oh, pretty, cool. pretty actively. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm decent. You know, I, I can't, I can't drive for 500 yards or anything like that, but, um, yeah, if anybody out there plays disc golf and is in middle Tennessee, uh, I could probably give you a run for your money yeah. or, or maybe I'm a great doubles partner, whatever you want to, you yeah. want to perceive that. I, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I've, I've always, it looks cool. I've always wanted to play. I've never gotten the chance, but I, I maybe, uh, when I'm out there, you can, you can show me, I'll, I'll, I'll tag along and, and, uh, see what it's all about. It, it looks very fun. I'm, yeah, I I'm have a terrible a, actual golfer, but I think I could do okay with disc golf. Yeah. I have a, a rather large quiver of discs, so I, I got plenty to lend you. So nice. come on out. Nice. <laughs> um, when people hear this, Tommy, how can they reach out to you? What's, what's the best way? For sure. Yeah. I appreciate that, Jason. And so, um, I, I would say, you know, my, my, my theory on everything is, is I want to give before I ask for something. And so, um, my, I guess my gift to some of your listeners is if there's any, you know, I'm happy to talk to anybody about active investing, if they want to talk to, to, um, maybe long-term rentals, or they want to know how to automate their short-term rental business, or maybe they have some questions uh, about some of the self-storage facility and, and how we're managing that. Um, and so I'm happy to talk to active investors, um, but I'm also open to educating passive investors. So if there's anybody out there that's thinking, um, maybe tell me I like your markets, um, but I don't want to, I'm not there, or I don't know what the, the market is like, and I don't know what cities to be in. I don't know what counties to be in. Um, but you know, I, I love my job and, uh, you know, I, I really can't do anything there. Well, there's options to be a passive investor. And so, um, if you go to my website on tbcapitalgroup.com, uh, TB is in Tommy Brandt capitalgroup.com. Um, you'll find an opportunity to download my book. I'm not monetizing that just because I believe in giving first, but uh, it's called a passive investors guide to the multifamily universe. And so with me being an engineer, it is very data-driven. It is not fluffy. Um, it, it's, it's a little fluff, but it's mostly data-driven like hard facts around apartment investing, why I'm bullish on them as an out as an asset class, the outlook, um, and also gives you idea to different strategies and, um, uh, stuff of that sort different asset classes and how it all plays in. And then, you know, at the end, I kind of talk about what I like and where. Awesome. Awesome. That'll be great. Well, uh, and we'll put that, um, in the show notes so people can check that out. Um, final question for you. What is a piece of advice you would give to someone who's getting started, uh, you know, kind of early in the game, and they just are thinking about, hey, maybe maybe this is for me. Going through some of the processes that you went through, um, kind of work through it in your mind. What, what would you tell them? For sure, I'd um, probably three steps. So one is is get educated partially. You know, accept the fact that you don't need to know everything um, to get started. So we'll call it partial education. Um, decide on the market, 
next, and then build a team around that market, um, partner up with people to help you scale your business. Yeah, no, great, great advice. Uh, all really important steps for, um, you know, kind of moving yourself forward in the business. Um, as we, we talk, you know, nobody's going to start at the top. So it's kind of, you got to find that way to, to, to work there. Um, well, thank you, Tommy. I really appreciate having you on the show. I think this is a great conversation. It'll be very, very helpful to a lot of people uh, that will listen. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be, I think there's a lot of actionable stuff for, for people that are, um, you know, kind of maybe not <laughs> 10 years into this. It, I, I think it actually is probably more helpful when, when people are, are relatively uh, early on in, in the space and, but have that recent history and recent experience to share about, you know, kind of this, this is what it took me to get to, to this point. Um, and, and it's still sort of fresh of mind. So I appreciate you sharing all that. And uh, I think, uh, I think people will, Definitely get that in the show notes, but but check out your book. I think that'll be a great thing for for people to to lean into as well. Right on. Thank you very much, Jason. I appreciate the time and the the banter on here. It's great. Yeah, awesome. All right. With that, we will go ahead and sign out. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.